Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast for our look at the beautiful game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. My name is Chess Warren and this week I am joined by the brilliant Lee Birch, who is currently the Hampshire FA Head Academy Coach and also producer Luke is our second guest on the on the pod today. It's a good job he watched the highlights before coming on. So starting off, Earlier on this week, we had the Conti Cup semi-finals. On Wednesday, Chelsea were the first team to reach the finals as they beat Manchester United in an eventful first half at Kings Meadow. The Blues started off strongly as Penilla Harder slotted in the opener. Five minutes later, Chelsea had doubled their lead when Fleming was left unmarked to head home a loose ball. Vildebo Arisa got a goal back before Jess Carter added a third right on half-time. United's misery was complete when Sophie Vagley was sent off for bringing down Sam Kerr with a late challenge. And it was also United's first defeat in normal time since the 21st of November. United boss Mark Skinner said, we need to take these learning curves now. We've grown and we'll keep going. Now, on the wider look at the competition, Skinner's also said that the yellow cards accrued throughout the competition should be scrapped, as it meant that we were without Ella Toon and Hayley Ladd for this fixture. Does he have a point, or is he just bringing up bringing up sour grapes, do you think? Yeah, I think you, you've got the, the, the situation of cards accumulating over a long period in competitions, and it's, it's heartbreaking when you get to the latter, latter stages and players have to miss out when they've been playing the competition for the while. I believe in the men's game, they looked at it a little while back and, you know, things were changed in the Champions League. You go back to, I remember Chelsea in the 2020 Champions League, 2012, sorry, Champions League final, um, like four players out through through yellow cards. So surely those latter games, you want the best players playing and yeah, red cards are different, but yeah, he's, he has got a point. I think it's, this is especially poignant because Chelsea didn't have to play the group stages of the Conti Cup because they were away at the Champions League and that's that's how the fixtures are kind of dealt with. So they haven't had to worry about accumulating a significant number of yellow cards because they only started in the quarterfinals and this is the semis. But Chelsea had no such problems um, here in this fixture. It was a comfortable win for them and with Sam Kerr coming back. Luke, it's looking good for Emma Hayes' side, isn't it? Yeah, they're starting to really turn the screw now, aren't they? Um, kind of formidable opposition. Even when they have injuries, they seem to find a way to win. And they're through to a final. They're going well in the league. They've got that big game against Man City, which was at the weekend, which we're going to touch on very shortly. So um, it's all looking good, even when like the big players aren't firing, like Sam Kerr's and Frank Kirby's not been. Been out of sorts last couple of weeks, haven't you? But you've got other players you can, can come in and step in. And in the other fixture in the Conti Cup, Thursday saw us visit the Academy Stadium to see if Spurs could reach their first ever cup final as they took on Manchester City. Jessica Naz had a one-on-one at nil-nil, which she missed, but Spurs never really recovered from that. Jess Park opened the scoring before Bunny Shaw added a second from just a yard out to put City in cruise control before the break. The second half was a non-event, really, apart from Lucy Bronze hitting the post. Lauren Hemp finished it off by rising at the back post to head a goal home. Now, let's hear the thoughts of both of the managers after the game. First up, Rianne Skinner. I think, obviously, in terms of the game overall, I think we managed the... the you know, the possession that um, Man City had for big chunks of time. 
Um, but we had a couple of moments where we just gave him too much room to deliver dangerous balls into the box. And um, obviously a, a couple of situations that cost us. We had an opportunity to go ahead at the start, which is a great breakaway from Jess, to be fair. You know, she's she's done really well to get herself in that position and just couldn't quite find the finish. Um, and if we get the goal at that point, you know, obviously it, it might have been a little bit different in terms of how we felt from, our, from a momentum and a mindset perspective. But it's football, it's those, those bits we've got to manage and, and keep working hard to create them. It was a great opportunity. You know, she did everything right and just didn't quite connect with it in the way that she wanted, I think, when she got in front of goal. But, you know, Jess is a really talented player. She created a lot of problems. She looks really impactful in around the final third. It just didn't quite evolve into anything that, you know, we can really sort of hang our hat on. I'm really pleased in the last couple of games, we've not quite had results go our way, but the focus for us is the league. And, you know, we've only lost three league games, so we're still in a very good position compared to where we were last year. The squad's going to get stronger again very soon. And so we're obviously managing where we're at at this moment in time, but it's certainly not going to be the position we're in when we get to sort of the international break when everyone's back and hopefully that gives us the, the momentum to kick on again when we've got the depth in the squad again. Brilliant to get through to a final. I thought we um, we set about the game really well, really aggressive with our um, our pressing. We took probably 10 minutes to find our game plan a little bit. We tried to play central quite a bit when the space was wide. So um, it took us a little while, but I thought the goal settled us down. I thought it was a brilliant goal from Jess. And uh, yeah, we scored some really good goals tonight. Arguably could have had more, but um, yeah, really delighted with the way we controlled the game. When you, you look around and you're almost having to let players down who are not getting onto the pitch, the quality of Ipa, uh, quality of Vicky Lasada, Janine Becky. So, you know, I think we've got good options at the moment. You don't get too carried away with that because it can all change within a, within a few injuries. So uh, fingers crossed we stay in the right fitness levels. Um, everybody recovers well. It's a nice situation to have from what we had earlier in the season. We, we brought Bunny in because she's slightly different to what we normally have as number nine. And I think um, we're starting to see that now. It takes time. It takes time, obviously, to get used to the teammates in a new country. I think, um, you know, once again, the girls have been great in helping her in that respect. So I think, uh, you know, she's moving in the right direction. A lot of football to come between now and the final. And, you know, we're looking forward to these games that are coming up. And, yeah, we have, to, we have to give a good account of ourselves like we have done recently. Um, give good performances and and hopefully they get the results that we're looking for. Luke, you're at the match. What did you think of this game? Yeah, as we heard there from um, Rianne Skinner, it was it was nil-nil when Jessica Naz went through and she didn't look like she was going to score. I think that was a big thing, really. She put it wide and after that, I think City went up the pitch. I think it was only about five minutes later they got the opener and once the opener went in, everyone in the press box said that's game over and, and it was really comfortable for them in the second half was a, a real non-event really City were just such in um, so in control in the game really Jess Part was sensational deservedly got man of the match and Lauren Hemp was very good as well and as you heard there from Gareth Taylor Bunny Shaw's coming in she's starting to score goals now and they're looking to move forward We joked last week in the podcast that when Tottenham were knocked out of the FA Cup that Rianne Skinner might be playing 4D chess and she's just trying to concentrate on getting that Champions League spot, considering they are breathing down the necks of Manchester United, just one point behind in that fourth place spot at the moment. Now, it is a blow because they've also been kicked out of the League Cup now. But for Rianne Skinner, do you think she'll let it derail their season or do you think they're going to take this going from strength to strength? No, I mean, she said she was... um... 
she said she wants to concentrate on the league, doesn't she? So I think they'll give the FA Cup a good go and see how far they can get on that. But ultimately, if they can get in the top three, it's been a, a fantastic season for them. And, and and if they are there, then the attention certainly will turn to that. I mean, we'll get into their game at the weekend. It was uh, they bounced back in style. That's all I'll, I'll say. But looking at the other end of the table, other things that happened elsewhere in the FAWSL this week, Jean-Luc Vasseur was sacked by Everton after just 10 games in charge. They were not 10 good games, but they were just 10 games in charge. Now, Lee, how important is it for a manager to get to be able to have a few games to get a team ready before they can have a proper run of form? Do you think it was fair that they got rid of him just after 10 games? It feels very Wolves in the Premier League. (laughs) Yeah, Wolves or, or, or Watford, where you see the managers not get get much time at all. Mm. I think with a new new manager coming in, uh, new culture, new language uh, as well for, for himself, I think it was always going to take a little bit of time to, to to get it where he wanted to go. Was it enough time? Things in the background, the club and the, the players may have, may have not felt it was going the right way and maybe that's why it's made, but... You know, I felt it was early when they they moved Billy Kirk aside. You know, I thought that was even even more, uh, you know, far too quick, especially with the games that they lost. Because you know, yes, they did get beat by Man City, you know, four nil, and they weren't really in the game. And happened a few times, but I think they'd only lost against City, Arsenal, and Chelsea at that point. So I think, yeah, Everton being onto their third manager of the of the year or, or going into is not ideal for them. But they did say at the beginning they had aspirations to. To, to be right up there and they've they've put their their money where their mouth is and they they've supported the side and unfortunately it hasn't gotten the results they want so as a manager you need you need time you, you, you every every manager will tell you that you can have a quick impact of course you can you can come in and and see the upturn in the first four or five games but then it, it, it takes time to get it and you've just mentioned about Rianne Skinner and and what she's done at Spurs there's an example of it, it wasn't going great at first. Um, but she's been given the time and they're reaping the rewards now. Lee, I've got a question. In terms of coaching, then, is there always a, a fear as a coach? As soon as you get a job, you've almost got to get it right straight away. 100%, yeah, definitely. I think you, you do. And um, you can go in there very quickly. And as we're seeing, the, the game's getting more and more ruthless. You go in there and you lose your first four or five games and immediately you're on the back foot and you see that at any at any level, whether that's amateur or right up to the Premier League in, in any in any league across the world. So, yeah, I, I think hitting the ground running is really important. And, and sometimes, to be honest, and going back to, to, the, to the Willie Kirk um, sacking, it can come down to who you play against in those first four, four or five games. It really can come down to fixtures. Um, you know, I think... Uh, at Leicester, their, their, their first four or five games that Lydia's got in there are really tough games, you know, really. And obviously, don't worry against Birmingham, but that was that's the one because the other games around the other side of it are, are real tough. So I think as a manager, sometimes it can just be the, the timing of the games that and the fixtures you've got. If the, the fixtures don't fall kindly for you at the beginning of the season, then you could be out no matter how, how, how much work and how much good work you've done. And away from that there, despite the Conti Cup upset and also the sacking, we also had a packed week of action in the FA WSL this weekend. And kicking off the weekend, we had Arsenal at home to Manchester United. This fixture looked really different to when Arsenal came to Lee earlier on in the season. United dominated the first half of the game and Russo put them ahead 
the poacher's header in the 10th minute, which was very reminiscent of the goal that kicked Arsenal out of the Conti Cup a few weeks prior. Arsenal switched on a bit more in the second half, challenging Mary Earps a number of times and forcing her into a few very decent saves. Ella Toon missed a one-on-one to put the Red Devils 2-0 up and Katie McCabe received a second yellow. But Stina's Black Stenius equalised on her birthday, no less, in the 79th minute for Arsenal. But everyone was talking about the assist for Viviana Miedemar. Leah Williamson has called it the best pass she's ever seen in real life and it allowed the Gunners to salvage a point. Now, Katie McCabe being sent off means that she'll miss the next fixture, which is against Chelsea. How important will that loss be for Arsenal's side? Uh, yeah, it's going to be massive, isn't it? She's um, she's a warrior for them. There was some talk about what the first it was the first yellow card harsh. It was, yeah, it was really. I, I suppose, but the second one, you can't make that challenge. It, you did on um, when you had a yellow card like that. But yeah, the pass from Miedabar was sensational, wasn't it? And um, mm. Black Stenius, I know someone who you like, Chess, you wanted <laughs> to go to Man United and she scored against Man United. It hurt. It hurt when I saw it the first time. It came through as a Twitter notification before I even was watching it on the TV. So painful when that happens. But yeah, it's a shame that McCabe is going to be missing out on the fixture next week. It's always nice to see her go head to head with Erin Cuthbert. And as you said before, the first yellow was questionable whether it should have been one or not. But people were also saying um, that the second yellow, if we were being tough about it, could have been a red the way that she took out. Was it on a badier? Because um, she properly pushed, pushed her to the floor. And this is a real change for United because we're, we were looking at this fixture as a disappointment that you didn't manage to get pick up the three points. And that's a real change from the very comfortable win that Arsenal had at the Lee Sports Village earlier on this season. How is exciting is it now that other teams are properly challenging that big three? Good, isn't it? And Mark's going to start to um, stamp his authority on that team now. I think there's a few question marks when he first came in, wasn't it, to replace somebody so popular in Casey Stoney. And... Um, He's, he's gradually he's gradually winning over the fans. I think they're there or thereabouts. They're putting pressure on. They're competing against these top teams as well. Like I say, earlier in the season, they, uh, they were comfortably beaten by Arsenal. But now they're going to Arsenal. They, they maybe could have beaten them in the Conti Cup. They certainly could have beaten them in the, in the league game. Um, and they're looking really good. And the signings he's made, I know he's talked about strength in depth. They've not made loads of signings, but the signings they have made have, have improved the side. Elsewhere in the big capital, a sold-out Kings Meadow saw Chelsea secure a win against Manchester City at the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday. An informed Goro writing put the Blues ahead in the 14th minute, and City, as much as they tried, just could not equalise. Most notably, there was a chance by Caroline Weir that went wildly awry. This was a real chance for City to clamber back up the table as they are currently sitting in sixth. But Taylor's side couldn't capitalise on this opportunity to pick up points and pull themselves back into the race for Champions League qualification. Now, Chelsea are beginning to look unstoppable again. So how important will it be for them to continue this run of form into the fixture against Arsenal, which is their chance to go top of the table? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's huge. Um, as Chelsea pick up steam and, and they continue to get stronger and stronger, it's important when they play a team like City at the moment who are always going to cause them problems. And I think it showed that City aren't, aren't miles away in that game. And 
Um, I think it was a one real good save from Berger as well, at, you know, I think early in the first half. So City, City had their moments and I think Chelsea will be, you know, three points is just massive. A clean sheet again is is huge and to, to take that into to the future games is really important because winning becomes a habit. And, you know, Chelsea, when they get into that mould of winning and, and ticking off the games one by one, they they can really be unstoppable. And the quality and the players and the staff they've got there know what it's like to put a run together, know what it's like to roll into those big games and, and get over the line. And they certainly look like that Chelsea at the moment. Um, with, with I think as you mentioned earlier, without everybody firing as well. This is, this is going to be interesting when you get a few of the players back and really really kicking into another gear, but that's the strength of the, the squad that Chelsea have had, not just this season, but in, in, in previous seasons. So, yeah, it's going to be a real, real interesting game. Um, I think, you know, McCabe missing for, for Arsenal is going to be going to be a big, you know, big problem for them going into the, the next games as well. Yeah, completely. And although she was on the losing side as well, a standout star for City this game was Ruby Mace. Now, when she was first signed from Arsenal over the summer, she kind of struggled to make it into the first team, even when City was having injury woes. There was a big question mark over that for Gareth Taylor. But at age 18 in this fixture, she was able to contain both Kerr and Harder with strength. She wasn't even channeling them. There was a tackle that I watched where she completely took out Kerr in such a brilliant way. She was fantastic. What do you think, Luke? Is she one to watch for the future? Yeah, I mean, she cruised through that game against Spurs on Thursday, um, and she's she's quite well um, she's quite well built already. So she's only going to get better as she gets older in terms of strength as well. She's good on the ball. She's really calm in possession. I know the fans love her. They were singing her name through most of that game, and and it'd be good to see her as well when she's alongside Steph Harton, for example. What kind of guidance Steph Harton will give her, and and just make an even better player. And yeah, it's it's clear that Gareth Taylor rates because if he's putting her in a team now at 18, then uh, it says a lot about her. Completely. And elsewhere, another Kelly Chambers masterclass as Reading come back from 1-0 down to beat Everton 2-1 at Walton Hall Park. Everton went up in the fifth minute through Anna Andervag and they had a chance to make it 2-0 as Reading conceded a penalty in the 53rd minute. But Izzy Christensen couldn't convert it as Grace Maloney dived to her left side to save it. But to be fair to Christensen, the windy conditions would have made the spot kick very, very difficult. Natasha Dowie equalised in the 74th minute and sub Tia Prima put Reading ahead in the 88th minute. Feels a bit mad to say this though, but Reading do legitimately have a chance this season to break into the top three. What do you think it is this season that's invigorated the side that last year could only manage 24 points from 22 games? What do you think of that, Lee? Yeah, I think Reading have been knocking on the door for quite a few years. And um, I think that this season, they didn't have the start they wanted, which is maybe going to come back to bite them a little bit, which would be a shame because what they've got at the moment is a real resilience, it seems, as a team. You know, they're going behind and teams are clawing back and they've had some some real thrillers. You know, they've been involved in a lot of goals both ways. And yeah, that I think that's been the difference in them this season. I think in previous years, they may be gone a goal behind and, and, and haven't been able to claw it back. Scoring goals was a problem at times for them in, in previous years. Um, and obviously, they've gone through this transitional period of... You know, the likes of Farrah Williams and, and Joe Potter and that 
that, that, that have now left the club and they had to go through that transitional period. But now the likes of Emma Harry's coming through, etc., is is just great to see. And I think the resilience that the staff have got into the team is, is, has been the big difference for me this season. Uh, you know, when I saw their 1-0 down at the weekend, I never thought they were at the game. I didn't think that was going to be Everton's. Um, Evans game and as soon as he got the equaliser I kind of I, I said to someone that was next to me I said I, I think the way Redden are playing they're going to go and win that now they're going to they're going to take the game by the by the horns and, and they did so that's that's been a big turning point if they can keep that going this, this could be the year yeah definitely I did, we did get a tweet in last week though saying and it was from a Man United fan Man United fan that who said Reading won't make the Champions League. But while they keep winning, you never know. I mean, the key for them is when they play the likes of your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your Man United, how they'll cope about them, uh, cope against them. If they beat one of them or at least get a draw off them, then all of a sudden people might start taking them seriously. Yeah, and nothing, nothing is to be taken for granted in the league at the moment. Every point does count. And I mean, they beat Chelsea... And the likes of Arsenal have been dropping points against sides like Birmingham. They've been drawing to United. So if they're able to keep the losses down, then those points really do seem to creep up. But Everton, oh, it really just isn't working, is it? Luke, where do they go from here? What, what do they do? It's a bit like the men's team at the minute, isn't it? You know, they've recruited, they've, they've spent a lot of money on the team. It's just not worked at the minute. Like, say, Willie Kirk... Was he given enough time? A lot of people say no. Jean-Luc Vasseurs came in with a big reputation as well with what he did at Lyon. And for whatever reason, it just never got off the ground. And the person who brought him in left the club as well in November. So it obviously, clearly, whoever's coming now, it isn't their man. So they're going to work from there. But they need to do something because Leicester are only two points behind them now. And um, mm. so they're only four ahead of Birmingham. I mean, it'd be a disaster if they were... Like if they went down Everton, I don't think they will. But the fact they're even in the conversation and looking over the shoulders it isn't good enough. I, I know um, there was talk at the start of the season could they be the team to break into the top four this year? Well, they're not even close, are they? I legitimately thought so. I thought that they would be the ones that would be that would be challenging United and would be challenging City for that for that third place spot. And with especially with the transfers that they brought in over the summer, they've got such t- they've just got such impressive talent, and it just isn't working. You so look it's at that squad, yeah. Christensen, Valerie Govan, people like that. You know, um, they, they have they have recruited well, and, and yeah, they went I mean, out to buy the Swedish wonder kids, and it just hasn't worked. Life's not like Football Manager; you can't you can't just bring them in, and it and it doesn't mean that it's going to no. gel every time. But Birmingham saw red or should I say pink, as Leicester and their very funky away kit put in what could be the last nail in Birmingham's coffin for the relegation battle this season as the Blues lost 2-1 to the Foxes. First choice keeper and United loanee Emily Ramsey saw red in the 26th minute for a tackle against her former teammate Jess Sigsworth. Sigsworth converted a pen and Leicester got second through Perfield in the 37th minute. And the comeback came a little bit too late as Louise Quinn grasped one back for the Blues in the 85th minute. She couldn't find the net again and the game ended 2-1. Feels very harsh to say it, but Lee, is this it for Birmingham? Yeah, I think I think so. I think at the moment anyway, they had such a good period where they looked again real resilient and, and got those some performances. They were absolutely superb against Arsenal, you know. And I think everyone looked at that and said... You know, if they can take that into the into future games, then they had a big chance. And the the, the decision to send Ramsey off is is 
it's not right. You know, we, we say them nowadays, if the keeper makes a legitimate attempt for the ball, then there's no double jeopardy and she should have stayed on the pitch. So they will point to that. Um, the second goal, you know, it, it was a bit of a scrap straight from the corner. The, the young keeper maybe got caught a little bit. The defender got caught at the front. If Ramsey's in there, does, does that go in? Um, so, yeah, I, I think for Birmingham, they're just going to rule some, some bad luck at the moment. Um, they've given it a go, but that was a huge six-pointer with Leicester. It really was. And um, Leicester seemed to be kicking on and get, getting stronger under new management as well. So it's going to be interesting um, and towards the end I mean it could it should, it should have been 3-1 since worse but missed, missed an open goal mm. um, uh, you know hitting the post so uh, it was a good and then it was cleared well off the line actually from Bailey Gale for, from her shot I, I don't know who the I can't remember who the recovering defender was from Birmingham but yeah that, that, that again probably showed where they're at that they won't you know they won't give up easy and I think that's will show um, they got again some good management in there they got some good people in around the club that are trying to to keep their head above water, but it was a huge six point to lose, and yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure where their next their, their next results going to come and how they're going to going to claw back a Leicester side that are going to be buoyant from that. Yeah, Emily, Emily Ramsey was thrown under the bus a little bit by defence, wasn't she? Before the lead up to it, they were they were all over the shot, but Birmingham got lucky last year that Bristol City were poorer than them at the start. They had a lot of ground to make up, then Bristol City nearly did it in the end. So Birmingham only stayed up and kind of on that basis really. So it was with all the upheaval they've had in the summer as well, it was um inevitable really that it was going to be between them and Leicester. And Leicester won both games and they'll believe they can still stay up, but it's it's not looking great, is it? Another team that's having a bit of a shocking run of form at the moment. Tottenham surprised at the hive as they bounce back from their regular goal woes of only scoring one or two with a four nil win over a very sluggish looking Brighton. Uh, Kaya Simon opened the scoring in the 12th minute through a lovely chip of the keeper from a through ball from Bar Trip. Ash Neville made it two in the second half and Skipper Zadorski clinched the third just five minutes later. A mere 60 seconds after that, Simon made it 4-0 and Rianne Skinner's side rode out the rest of the game. Oh, Brighton, just like Man City, you blink and you can see goal- two goals in two minutes. Lee, how do they improve on this? Because it must be that their heads are going down. Yeah, I think Brighton have always had this this in them that you know they're they're having a good season in, in, in all. They you know they've had moments when they've been they've looked really really good. You know, not just individual games, um, but then out of nowhere they will just go and produce a result like this. Um, and yes, sometimes it has been against the Man Cities of the world, but it looking back at the game as well, it, it looked far too easy for Tottenham. Um, you know, the, the way they were cutting through them and Meg Walsh is having to make it some saves after save again. And you can't just keep relying on your goalkeeper to, to keep you in games. And yeah, I hope I will be very disappointed with, with the manner of the, the defeat um, because Brighton has shown that they're, they've got a lot more about them than that. You know, they produced on more than, more than one occasion very good defensive resilience displays. And to go and concede four at, at Tottenham was. Um, and in the manner was was not going to be what Hope uh, expects of her side, and, and not what we've probably come to expect. But yeah, occasionally they just they just seem to seem to throw one in a little bit. Luke, do you think Rianne Skinner will be happy with this performance? Because now they're breathing down the neck of Manchester United, who are in third. So every point and goal really does count. Um, is this a better Tottenham side that we're seeing? Um. 
maybe not a better Tottenham side than what we're seeing, but certainly it was a good response, wasn't it, to the, the Conte Cup because they were very flat in that defeat and they could have they could have had that hangover that going into um the Brighton game. But Ranskin has done something good to get the head back on the game, hasn't she really, and get them firing into Brighton. He's got some really good goals as well. And and to go out and, and not just beat Brighton, but to score four goals past them is um is a good statement really of intent and it shows that they're still on the right path. Completely. And for the final fixture of the weekend in the WSL, it was Aston Villa versus West Ham. The Hammers went ahead through a blunder at the back from a corner, Stringer capitalising from Villa's disorganised back line and Hampton's inability to control and catch the ball. The Villains then went, went level through a penalty sunk in by Lehman just before half-time, off the back of Ramona Petzelberger being brought down by Kate Longhurst in the box. The second half was as wild as the match conditions as each team tried to capitalise on the winning goal. Svetkova picked up a poor pass from Patton to slot the ball back through the legs of Hampton and into the back of the net. Not the best performance from Hannah Hampton, Lee. Was it the defending two or should she have just been a bit better? Well, yeah, I think from a technical point of view, she'd be disappointed. Hannah's a, a good goalkeeper. And has has been doing doing well for Aston Villa since she's been there. But I think as we've seen with with all goalkeepers at all levels, unfortunately you make mistakes and and, that, and they get punished. You know, a player has a bad touch in the middle of the park, they can get away with it, and it's just one of those that's going to come back to to haunt her. But she's she's young as well, so technically she's only going to get better and better. I'm sure Villa are working with her. They signed her because she had a good season last year. Um, it does become a bit different when you you have those games when you're not making save after save after save, which is obviously what she was used to before. So I think when you're coming into to a, a club where you're you're playing with the ball, you're in, you're in possession more, and you have to concentrate more. Those key moments as a keeper are are probably a new learning curve for her. So um, look, she's a good goalkeeper, uh, and I'm sure she'll bounce back from this. Elsewhere in the Championship, Liverpool are now nine points clear. The Reds brushed aside Coventry United with three first-half goals. Taylor Hines opened the scoring with Leanne Kiernan adding two more. The win extends Liverpool's unbeaten streak to 13 games. Charlton are also now second as they beat Watford 3-0. Like at Prenton Park, Charlton were 3-0 up before half-time thanks to goals from Lois Roach and two from Ellis Sula. Now, Lee, Matt Beard will be sat there feeling delighted with how things have gone, especially with the teams behind them regularly dropping points. What do you think of Liverpool this season? I know Matt Beard, Beard really well and, and you know, he, he will be absolutely delighted with the way Liverpool have continued to go about their business, ticking game after game off, you know, not letting anything become a, a banana skin for them. Um building on performances, lots of different players starting to score, dealing with knocks and niggles and injuries, winning home and away. That I think it it was they were probably the favourites at the beginning of the year. But I think with the changeovers that you know people just had a little bit of question mark. There's some very good sides in there, the likes of Durham and and, and teams building like your Charlton's your London Cities. But I think Liverpool were probably a favourite and and that, and they've gone to show why because They've just gone from strength to strength and I can't see anybody catching them. I can't see them slipping up too much. Um, they will still have facing tough opposition, but I think they're just too strong for 
80% of the sides in that division right now, quite comfortably, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was it was good. And a little mention for Leanne Rhodes going a hat-trick in the FA Cup the other week, my old player. It was great to see her do that again, her first goals. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think Liverpool and, and, and Matt have, have done a great job so far. It's not done, but it's, it's, it's looking, looking good at the moment for them. I think it's worth talking about the structure of the two leagues at, at the moment now because earlier on this earlier on this week, Emma Hayes and Gareth Taylor talked and advocated for the extension of the WSL to 14 teams um, because now we've, we've got the ability to have teams like Liverpool and then also if you would have seen them fighting against um, fighting against Birmingham and also Leicester, it would definitely make the definitely make the league look more interesting maybe two up two down at the end of the season something more interesting on the relegation battle what do you think about that Lee? Yeah I, th- I think the the structures of the league can do with changing we've been saying it for a little while I think no one wants to look at a relegation battle and just see one or two teams in it you know uh, if you've got four or five teams down the bottom taking points off each other it makes it more interesting even if the team at the bottom is not taking points off the team at the top if they're taking points with each other, it can just make it a little bit more interesting. And you're seeing some championship sides that are that are ready to go and have done quite well in some Conti Cup competitions. Every team that comes down, obviously Liverpool coming down and, and trying to come back stronger is is important and, and rebuilding. Um, and then we're seeing the professionalisms of your Charlton's and London cities of the world. So hopefully, you know, Durham have, every time they've played a WSL side, Durham has shown how good they are. So I think that there's there's room for expansion and then there's also room for teams from the National League to come into the Championship. You've got probably six teams from both from North and South, the likes of Southampton to Ipswich to Wolves to Derby to Forest. You know, there's there's more than that that are ready to come into the Championship. So I think that the structure of the top three divisions could become a lot stronger with with just the, it, you know, expanding um, like, like has been mentioned. So hopefully it's something on the radar of the, the FA and hopefully it's going to be done via promotion and relegation rather than just licences like we've seen before and, and teams can, that deserve to be in those divisions go in there and, and can compete at the level that they should be at. Absolutely, and it's madness, isn't it? I mean, the Championship, it feels like it's over, almost over at the top end. Um, it's almost over at the bottom end. So teams have got nothing left to play for. You look at the National League, teams have worked hard all year. And then there's a playoff between North and South and who gets that one spot in the Championship. I mean, you should extend it below as well. It's madness, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And in the National League as well, you've got four teams going down. So the the change over there is, is huge. And you've got, you've got a lot of good players, a lot of good clubs that are ready to move up the pyramid and, and will only make it stronger. You know, and, and, and these aren't necessarily just your powerhouse Premier League sides. These are some clubs that have been doing it for, for a long period. And I think, it, yes, there was conversations with the likes of Huddersfield before. I remember that they rejected, you know, the potential to go up because of finances. So, yes, there is that. But if a club is ready to do it and they're ready to push on and it's going to make the league and everything stronger, the players and the staff everyone want more games. They do want more games. There's not enough games, you know, certainly in the championship, you know, um, you know, and at the, the top end, it's quite interesting to see some WSL teams ask for more games in the league, but less Conley Cup games. So, you know, there is that that debate, but they want more league games because that's 
that's what that's what you're all about. That's what you want to play in, and that's the competition that you enjoy the most and, and what you're in for. So, yeah, I, I hope that the those players and staff and clubs get the opportunity to get into the divisions that they want to, and it doesn't take three or four years for those all those good teams to filter in into the in, into the divisions that they should be. Um, as you said, there's no playoff system either. So, you know, what are teams playing for? You know, playoff systems are great. We love it. You know, that that championship playoff in the men's game is one of the most watched football games, you know, on TV because it's such a big prize and such a big game. It's something that they all fight for. Is that something that we could look at? Whether they do it, you know, other teams have done, you know, does it, the second team in the championship play second bottom of the WSL and, you know, have a playoff there. I, I think I think the opportunity to play for more is 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 what teams want, really. Um, and eventually the, the best clubs and the best sides will get there. But, you know, we're growing at a good rate and there's, there's no reason why a couple more teams can't come into each division. I'm, I'm certain of that. London City Lionesses had started the day as Liverpool's closest challengers, but ended up fourth as they lost at home to Durham. Molly Roos had given the home side the lead, but Durham fought back in the second half with two goals in three minutes and an own goal from Shea Yanez and Beth Heppel means that Durham now leapfrog London City into third. Crystal Palace have equally been in good form, but they were brushed aside by Bristol City. The Vixens took the lead through Chloe Bull and Abby Harrison added a second to have them two up after a quarter of an hour. Amy Palmer added a third before Harrison scored her second and Bristol's fourth. Sunderland and Sheffield United drew 2-2 in a topsy-turvy game in the northeast. Abby Joyce gave the Black Cats the lead before Courtney Sweetman-Kirk equalised. Holly Manders put Sunderland back in the lead before Sweetman-Kirk got her second to grab a point from Neil Redfern's side. Now, Blackburn and Lewis was called off very late to much to the frustration of the visitors who had a fruitless six hour trip north I'd be so angry <laughs> and in the North National League only one game took place out of the three scheduled with filed in the League Cup action the opportunity was there for Wolverhampton to take advantage and boy did they do that they brushed aside bottom of the table Hull City 5-0 thanks to goals from Anna Price a double from Amber Hughes Mary Gauntlet and Amy Dickin. That moves them a point clear of Derby County and two clear of Fylde. As mentioned, Fylde were in League Cup action and lost at home to Liverpool Feds of Division 1 North. In the Southern Division, four games took place. It was a rare slip-up for leaders Ipswich as they drew 0-0 away at MK Dons. And it was a good point as they moved above Plymouth Argyle in the last relegation spot. The Pilgrims, who have been on a good run recently, lost to fellow relegation rivals Chichester and Selsley. And London Bees had a big win at home to Cardiff City. Joe Wilson opened the scoring after 11 minutes, and that's the way it stayed until two minutes into the second half when Florence Gamby extended the lead. Danielle Puddlefoot added the third after her penalty had been initially saved. An own goal and first ever goal for Kira Lane sealed the D. In the final game, it was after the Lord Mayor's show for Bridgewater's United. After hosting Man United in the FA Cup last week, they hosted Gillingham. 
Andrew nil nil. But elsewhere, the Asia Cup reached a dramatic conclusion over the weekend as China staged a dramatic comeback to beat South Korea and win a record ninth title. It was looking like it would be the Koreans that walked away as the title, as Cho Yu Ri and a penalty from Chelsea Xi had them up two at the break. First, Jali Tang got a goal back from the penalty spot. Lin Jiang got the equaliser. And in the third minute of stoppage time, Zhao Lu Yi grabbed a dramatic winner. Coach Xu Qingzi said that they kept encouraging them to attack and they came into the tournament with confidence. Now, Luke, from the outside looking in, it has been a very dramatic tournament for the Asia Cup, hasn't it? Yeah, we've had shocks, we've had surprises. I think a lot of people expected Australia and New Zealand to be there and um, Japan as well. I, I don't think it was a massive surprise that South Korea got to the final with the players that they've got, but obviously China turned it on and um, I know there's kind of a bit like, well, how, how can a women's team be doing much better than the men's team at the minute with all the investment that they come into the men's team? So I think there was talk now of looking at the structure of how they do it with the women's game and, and incorporating that into the men's game almost for, for mm. China because I think China have been knocked out of World Cup qualifying qualification in the men's game now. So there's a bit of like, well, how can that happen? Yeah, completely. And the reaction inside of China as well has been incredible. They were trending number one on Twitter in China. Could this be the lift for them to show what they can do in the World Cup in 2023? Because all of the teams that reached the semi-finals have now qualified. It's going to be a brilliant tournament. And I think people kind of underestimate the teams that come from outside of Europe. Do you think they'll be an exciting one to watch? Yeah, and also it's in the Southern Hemisphere. So they might not have to acclimatise as much as some other teams, maybe some of the European teams. So, yeah, and I think this will raise a profile. We've got a lot more players coming over to Europe as well, maybe in time for the tournament. So, yeah, it'll, be, um, it'll definitely be, there'll be maybe an outsider one to watch. That's it for this week. Don't forget to subscribe via all podcasting platforms and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at TUWFP1 and the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. Have a great week and see you all soon.